we finally see the Witch Queen. A new Saints Row exists. Marvel at this new strategy RPG. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saul Bridges. How you doing, Saul? Good. How are you? Alongside me is Chris Figs. Ooh, hey, bud. Do you like how Saul was like, good, how are you, but also let me completely change it from talking to you? <laughs> it kind of threw me off a little bit. It, it, it's yeah. cool, though. It was good. I actually like the, the chain. Being able yeah. to have a chain of introducing the next person is pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It it's has fun. to be a chain because if it's a triangle, then Chris has to reintroduce me and it just never stops. <laughs> and then it's just an hour and a half of us introducing each other. A great podcast. Uh, April, April Fool's episode. That would be, that would be a fantastic <laughs> April Fool's episode, actually. And just have the show be called Triangle instead of Triangle Squared. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be on the lookout for next April. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as always, we are going to start to show off the right way. But remember, if you want to stick around uh, middle of the show, or if this is your first time listening to us for some reason, we have a new third co-host, Mr. Chris, who I'm pretty sure is going to be edited up above us. Um, we'll see how that goes out. Um, but you can stick around, see where you can find us, watch us if you want to watch video form, listen to us if you want to just listen on podcast services, as well as see how you can be part of our community's take section that we do uh, roughly somewhere middle of the show where we talk about the community's thoughts on our last topic from the previous episode. So stick around for that. But going to start this thing off. And Chris, you are still, you have a little bit of that guest of honor feel Ooh. to you, even though you're not a guest anymore. You're just a host of honor <laughs> right now. Um, so I'm going to start off with you, man. What you've been playing this week? Uh, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut, mm-hmm. Alien, Fireteam Elite, and you started Apex it Legends. without me. I mean, yeah, I played two missions of it. Fair enough. Okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, now Ghost of Tsushima. Coming back yes. to that, uh, one of our peeps messaged me last week and said, "I can't believe that Chris doesn't like Ghost of Tsushima <laughs> and that Saul hates Ghost of Tsushima." <laughs> I don't. Well, hold on. First of all, I never have said I hated that game. Ever. Yeah, no. Your words, your your words spoke volumes to this person. I guess so, but no. volumes, <laughs> it, it, incorrect. No, I I do not hate Ghost of Tsushima. I like Ghost of Tsushima. My problem with Ghost of Tsushima is that type of game should not be as long as it is, okay. and that goes for any game in that series or in that in that kind of genre. Yeah, and that's why I, think I won't. Almost every Assassin's Creed game is too long. I refuse to play any of the new Assassin's Creed for that yeah. exact same reason. Yeah, refuse. Now, Chris, coming back yeah. around to you, um, as we talked about last week, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> you you know had this in and out thing where you liked parts of Ghost of Tsushima, but you just didn't want to keep playing it. You yeah. kind of messaged me and made it seem like that was changing as you got into Act Two. Has that actually stuck around, or or you find yourself waning off of it again? No, I mean I've I've stuck with it. Um, once once the rescue happens, I think the game becomes better, but it's it still has that problem of when you're not in missions and fighting, it's kind of boring. Okay. Uh, so I think I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's too long. I think I don't really think someone who thinks days gone was the best game of last generation can say that a game is too long, but <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think I have problems with some of the characters I have. I think the action's really fun, but I don't know. I think I'll finish it because I want the platinum, but I don't know. <laughs> you messed up already, though, Chris. You, sh- you should have gotten through it and pushed through on PS4 so that then you can move your save over and pop the platinum a second time. You've messed up on pumping your numbers. Now you're going to have to reverse and beat the game twice to do two platinums. <laughs> don't put it past me. 
I I won't. <laughs> I just I just know that you're probably hating yourself in your head thinking he's absolutely 100% right. I could have had two platinums for the price of one. Yeah. Yeah, except I bought the PS5 edition, so I'm like I might as well play this one. At least I didn't buy the Judgment PS5 one. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you did. <laughs> All right. Saul, what's been a plan this week, man? A uh, combination of Hades and Breath of the Wild on Switch. Oh, you back on Hades? And yeah, Hades too. And yeah, I figured. Let's see. Other than that, I have played a little bit more Days Gone. I think we talked about that last episode. I can't remember if we talked about it last episode or if that was something me and you talked about personally. Yeah, I don't think we talked about it on air. Okay. Well, yeah, I downloaded Days Gone again, and to give reference of where I'm at, I am uh, helping a friend out. Who is not in good shape? Mm. Um, oh, I think you might have said this last week. Yeah, because we were talking about Boozer. I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah. I'm helping out like Boozer is. You know, I'm at um. Uh, I can't think of his name. That one guy that's kind of a dickhead. Who's Copeland, the owner of the camp. No, no. Uh, let's see. All right, so, uh, you've played it more recently than I have. Well, actually, you may not have, Chris. Who, who are we talking here? Let's remember these names. There's Copeland. Uh, there's Iron Mike. It's Iron Mike. It's Iron oh, Mike. Oh, Iron Mike. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say him I or the old. Iron Mike as a dick. I just, you know, he's a, he knows, he knows what he wants. And he's like, these are my people. I will protect them. He's Maybe exactly so. what I would think a guy called Iron Mike would Mike be. Mike would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to Magic Mike. And that was exactly what I thought Magic Mike would be. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, like, yeah. I kind of really haven't played much this week at all. Other than like the standard Sea of Thieves. Friday night for a little bit, and then we played Phasmophobia last night for a little bit, but that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually about... I did Sea of Thieves Friday with you guys. I got on Phasmophobia a little late yesterday, so I ended up playing like one very hard match, or whatever you want to call that, mission with Saul, and then we went nice. and actually lowered the difficulty, because that was the first time I ever played the game, and he had me playing professional mode, we which all is died way within, harder. Within like five minutes of each other. Absolutely, yeah. It was very quick. Um it's interesting. I've seen zero on that game, uh, even though it was like a big sensation kind of late last year when it popped up. It's still cool. And then the update that they just did added a lot. New some uh, new ghost types, uh, some better voice acting and stuff like that. The game's still a little buggy in certain areas, though. We had gotten a type of ghost that's supposed to be really talkative and like talk to you and it didn't say a word to us last night. It was still cool, but it just wasn't doing what the whole point of the ghost that it was um is set to do but i had a good time with that um i've been on hades so yeah i, I met some uh uncles and uh aunts that i'd not known for a long time and been like what's up people give me your powers pretty good um chris was correct i, I chris knows the games i do like in mm. that style so 100 correct hades is a really good game so um, good. it's one of those perfect examples of how Take the story away from it, even though that is a great part of it. The game itself is just so fun and rewards constantly trying different things and seeing which things are going to work better for you. And there's something that's so the high, that's like the epitome of gaming to me. It's like it's pure mechanics and the mechanics can drive the game completely. Then everything else you put is just icing on the cake. So the excellent, super great voice uh, acting that they have, uh, the really good story that's being unfolded so far, uh, these interactions with characters and these kind of side games that exist in between runs is kind of interesting. Um, and I'm having a good time with it. I, I mean, I playing it now, I certainly see why it was game of the year contender. So 
Of course, I've not beaten it, so I, I can't be like, oh, yeah, it should have been game of the year last year, but I can understand. I think when you beat it, it opens it up even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see that, which is also weird because, you know, a game that's literally supposed to be building up to beating it and then completely adds different reasons to want to continue beating it because I was I didn't understand the, the terminology. Right. And I was talking yeah. to Chris right after I had started. I'm like, where are you at? How far have you gotten? And he's like, I'm at heat seven or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, OK. And then I was like, what is So what does that mean? I'm at heat this. And he's like, no, I've beaten it. And this is my seventh time through beating it. I'm yeah. Like, Oh, okay. so what I would say to you is uh, the point of the game is not to beat Hades. <laughs> it, it, it is not. I mean, I, I don't mean I, when I say beat Hades, I mean, the point of the game is to beat the game. No, no, it's right. Not. No, it's no, not. No. Okay. It's not. I just want to be sure because to beat Hades could be to beat your father. And I like just want to make sure that we're clear with everyone yeah, here that I'm it, not talking about that in a base sense. I mean, yes, but that's not what the goal is. Yeah, you know? I mean. It seems like the goal is to escape, but it seems like there's this little hint of something else where escaping is actually about doing something else. You yeah, don't have to say anything more of that, but yeah, you, you'll once you once you get good and beat it once, you'll figure it out. <laughs> I got very close the other night. Um, yeah, I, I had the well, I say very close. I mean, closest I've gotten so far. I've still not played just a ton, but I really enjoy it. I got to. Um, the bull and Theseus and got them down to like a little sliver of health and then got, got as they say. Yeah. That's not a fun fight to me. No, it's not. That's I think the hardest fight in the game personally. Yeah. You're just constantly moving on the outer rim for me too. Cause I'm just, I I was using the shield cause I'm trying that out. That was my second shield run. Yeah. The shield's the best weapon to me. Um, I really like the bow. Cause I got to that exact fight. I know I got to that exact fight using a bow. Like my fourth run, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't use the bow yeah. a whole lot. I, I don't know if I like the bow or not. I have to use it more. I yeah. don't like it at all. That and the railgun are not for me. <clears throat> I haven't the, seen the railgun yet. There's like a little purplish looking, maybe gauntlet. I can't quite tell what it is. Yeah, the chains so, are wrapped around it. So there's the sword, the spear, shield, fists, bow, and the railgun. Okay, so um, the railgun's the only one I don't see yet. Like yeah. it's literally a blank spot. So. Yeah, it'll be that last spot. Okay, that's cool. But, um, All right. So, what 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 weapons do you like running? Like, what's your, absolutely what's your... shield? Shield's yeah, the best. This is my favorite. You use aspect of Zeus. What do you run? Uh, absolutely, that's the one I use. Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. Spear is okay. Spear yeah. to me though is like I don't like the for whatever reason like the jabby motion, uh-huh. that, or I guess just the normal like animation that that thing uses can yeah, throw me sh- off sometimes. Sh- especially yeah, especially like in real fast combat. Mm-hmm. The sword's not too bad, but the sword's really basic to me. Yeah, yeah. I changed from the sword as quickly as I could. Mm. Which, yeah, I guess I could see that. I would honestly... Do you like the shield? I, I, I've only done two runs, so okay. I think. But I don't I, know you fully. I will, I will say, though, if you're using the shield with the wrong boons, it's bad. Yes. But what would you say are the right boons? I, I because the problem with boons is that at least right now where I'm at, I'm trying to get more items so that I yeah. can have a better way of controlling it. But right now I'm still just running Lucky Tooth. Um, I, I would definitely say level up Lucky Tooth to three before you do anything else. Yeah, especially I'm, I'm, I'm close to three right now. Yeah, especially you don't want to be trying to upgrade your stuff during like heats. But um, for me, the best run I ever had, I perfected Hades. Is actually I'm just gonna say that. I perfected half of Hades' fight with uh, Athena and Zeus. 
because I had I was using the shield with um, deflect on my attack and my my dash, and then I had my special was Zeus with jolts and stuff. So it was just insane amount of damage, and everything I was doing was deflecting. That's why, I, like I was telling you, I rely on the dash strikes, and it's because of that because I could get well, in there even and the everything shield, I was think. bouncing off. Yeah, that's true too. But I think across the board, the shield is just even when you don't have that boon yet, the mm-hmm. the shield works well with dash strikes as just a basic form of attack. I find yeah. it to work way better than the the bull rush. Even uh, oh, the yeah, bull rush like has bull its rush. needs. Like you know, there's moments where I use it, but it's very seldom. Yeah, um, it, that's one where I'm like, I got to get across the map, so I'll bull rush to get over there. But yeah, for me with the <laughs> bow, the thing that got me with the bow is I was able to get used to staying back. I've probably done like four runs with the bow. Yeah. And every run with the bow, I've gotten two Theseus in the bull. Um, but then they get me. Um, <clears throat> with the shield, what was getting me at first is like the Meg boss fight would get me. The some of the random interstitial boss fights that can be had, like the Gorgon head or the crystal that shoots out stuff. Yeah. Get me because I was so used to standing back and then the shield, you do gotta be a little more yeah. in the fray. Yeah. That's the mm. problem with Meg at the first <clears throat> at first probably you had as well. As oh, that. dude, Meg destroyed me. I mean, I didn't die, but it popped one of my death defiances, and I was like, This is a completely different play yeah. style, which also kudos to the game because all the weapons feel completely different so another thing to do with the shield too is using its bashing as like a dashing technique Mm -hmm. too is what i do is i'll get up real close to enemy i'll combo in and then if i want to dash behind them if i have something like a backstab modifier i could Mm -hmm. but instead like what i like to do is typically unless you have some kind of boon that does it your dashing doesn't do damage um so you can use the bashing to get away and do damage to an enemy you're going to. Sure. I definitely like getting uh, some of the ones like uh, Zeus's where if you dash it right before you get hit, that drops a lightning yeah. a strike. Stuff like that's pretty cool. Um, and There's, then, of course, deflect. Deflect is kind of naturally dealing damage with your dash because anybody who attacks you midway through it is getting their attack sent back to them. But, yeah, I'm having a great time with the game. I definitely want to play more of it. It's giving me Dead Cells vibes where it's like, I just I, one more go. I think this one game, more go. yeah, I like this game way better than dead cells so it's much been, better it's been a while since i played a game like this that wasn't enter the gungeon and i love enter the gungeon enter the gungeon is also great i will say adding a story on top of this is really interesting because of the fact that the game does not need it it's just super fun i would be playing it just as much without the story yeah. but it is nice that every time you die you're like what am i gonna learn yeah and like you know because then it makes dying not as much of a punishment as other games are where it's like oh i'm having to restart but there's really no reason but this time it's like okay i died but i get to go talk to some people figure some stuff out because like there's a part where zeus is like hey tell your dad that i forgive him and i was like huh what if i don't die like, do i just never go back and tell <laughs> tell hey hades <laughs> i don't know I, I do really like the hades interstitials when you start from runs and it's um it's just him like all. Oh, You've been you've been such a bad boy for this reason. <laughs> he sounds like a letter like daddy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like if Doom Guy had a child. <laughs> I Actually, guess, yeah. It just it comes off so weirdly sexual to me, where it's like you've been a naughty boy. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> you it's come all... back home, Zag. <laughs> I'm teach you a I, lesson yeah it's just super weird i don't know the way he's talking i'm like who is your kid three or is he like a fully <laughs> is he an adult who's literally getting very close to fighting his way out of hades i mean what's going on here man i don't know it's just he's talking like i'm either a dog a sex slave or a child the more interesting thing is that my brain apparently sees those three things as relatively <laughs> so 
Yeah, I don't know how to take that, but I, I that's a little hyperbole, clearly. But um, I'll give you a treat. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. All three. That is completely fitting to all three of those, Chris. You, it is. You've ruined everything. I have. Yeah, man. You can give your sex slave a treat. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can give your. Uh, there's a okay. There's got to be a better word than that. Let me let me back up. What do you? What would you call that? Like you know your your sub. <laughs> like, I mean, it depends on your relationship. Oh, that's true. The person that you have could be the dom for you. Mm-hmm. Mm. If the girl's hot enough, I'm a sub. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what's <laughs> Oh, man. Everyone wants to be a little spoon. Speaking of little spoons, Sometimes. we've been spooned some news from Gamescom. <laughs> there you go. Perfect, All right. Well, it's time to move segue. into the news. <laughs> Remember, if you're liking the show and want to support us and the things we're going to be doing, which is really soon we're going to be doing a rebrand. I've been looking into different things for that. I'll talk to you guys more about that down the road um, to Chris and Saul. Um, you guys, too, but you'll just see it when it's kind of done. Um, anyway, like you can do- go like and sub. support the show on Praetion.com <laughs> <laughs> slash Nartech, and you can become a sub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I hate my life. I hate you for that one. Uh, yeah. Good work. Okay, guys. We're going to go ahead and hop into the news. Uh, clearly, like Chris was saying, that most of this week's news is really just about Gamescom. It's not that there's not some other things that happened. It's just Gamescom and all these E3 things, it's about drowning the news. So if you're not at those events, it's kind of really hard to get picked up because all the news is just like, yeah, let's do that. Also, Andrew, is that the absolute loudest bag in the Dude, world? <laughs> you have no idea. I'm wearing open back headphones, and I'm just like, what is going on over there? It's okay, Andrew. <laughs> I was just like, what's going on? Is there like a baby being birds into the world through a plastic bag? Oh, so uh, we've already kind of hinted at some of them in the cold open. The first thing up, though, is actually kind of a weird callback to something Chris and I were talking about. And I don't think either of these guys have played the game, but the latter point i'll get to for those who have blasphemous which is that challenging side scroller set in the world of uh i think it's i can't even think of the name right now of the world but it's a religious world inspired by catholicism it's getting a sequel according to announcement by developer the game kitchen with this announcement of a new title comes a final free dlc for the game launching in december called wounds of eventide the dlc brings the story to an end and unlocks the true ending while adding new bosses game areas and items to the mix now Oh, this probably off. sounds screw off. This probably sounds very familiar to what we were talking about with Death Gambit uh, a few weeks back when it was just Chris and I, and that Death Gambit's so popular, Death Dead Cells is so popular and has been. All of these games are so popular, and yet they choose to. This is a great thing, but they choose to just keep pumping the game up with more content, completely free, and apparently launch the true ending in a DLC. What uh, happened to like getting true endings like when you bought the game at launch? Here's the problem with true endings, right? That's I feel like right. true endings didn't start mattering as much. It's not to say that they were never in games, but I feel like this has gotten to be such this idea of there being a true ending when Dark Souls and Demon Souls started getting really big. Because it's all, everybody's always like, this is what the true ending is. If you get this version. Well, those have established true endings <clears throat> for the most part. Yeah. Oh, but that, and, I'm not, but, and you know what's cool about those? They're in the game when they come out. They are. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Like let me ask a very nitpicky question. Isn't the true ending of Ghost of Tsushima the ending of the Iki Island expansion? Because that's the end of the game. Well, it depends on what you mean by ending. So I guess so. And I guess, are they different stories? Or do they... I, and I'm, well, I don't it's know still Jin. know this answer, but it's still Jin. It apparently <clears throat> takes place midway through the campaign. Yeah, so I if mean, so, technically the end of Iki Island is the end of that story adventure. 
<clears throat> but Iki Island is just part of the main story. So the main yeah. story's true ending would still be the actual end. But that's every that's every game and every DLC technically. Yeah, that's I'm what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, it really actually it depends, right? Some games DLCs actually do come post story, which is weird when that happens because it does feel weird to be like, so I beat the game and ended the story, and then you added more story. That's... And, that, and the true ending to me that and that just sounds <sighs> yeah pompous. Like like oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if I played through, like let's say if I played through um, Blasphemous, which I tried, and I did not like it. Um, let's say if I played through it and I really enjoyed it, but I didn't ever want to go back to it. And then like, here's the true ending. It's like, well, what did I do? Like, you know, yeah. now yeah. unless they're saying that this is the true ending that ends the DLC, <laughs> that's not clear. Like that's, that's. Well, me, what it is, is that the actual wording of their press statement, if I recall, is um, it brings the story of uh the penitent one's first journey to a conclusion which is the base game so it sounds to me like what it's really saying is that all of these dlcs have been extending the story past the first uh thing and that what they're kind of viewing as the true ending sounds like it's probably more of a new ending for the game based off of this new content that's pushing forward and that this ending is going to be establishing where they're going with the sequel but i can't say with absolute certainty this is the problem with press wording that's not as bad as if if all the dlcs were free like this one yeah Yeah. well because every dlc has been this this is so this isn't like asura's wrath where asura's wrath i don't know if you remember that game on ps3 they didn't finish the game until the dlc yeah that is entirely that happened with prince of persia 2008 as well the entire ending of the game came later in a dlc that you had to buy and that game was yeah, so good i love that awful. game and, the, and i never even played the dlc i refused because <laughs> i was like i love this game but i wish i would have gotten a real ending yeah the ending that's on the disc is so abrupt and you're like wait that's it oh wow <laughs> uh but you know that's that's why i think so many people have this idea of dlc being this really evil thing because the early days of us getting it were people making dumb decisions like let's end the game with the real ending you know let let's completely leave an ending out of the game and when you play it and stop you go wait that there's no conclusion and then you go well now there is for 13.99 big boy (laughs) so i just love that dlc has gone from Wow, horse armor? That's really dumb, too. Cosmetic <laughs> DLC is the only DLC that can happen. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's just all about the DLC making sure that uh, they keep us under their thumb for as long as possible. That's what, to me, the, the conversation Chris and I had off of that is there's only a few indie games that have really just came out, taken the world over by storm, and then just said, the next game we're doing is a separate game. You're going to buy it. And that's perfectly fine. Every, I, I don't think anybody's like, Silk Song, that should have been included for free. No. See, I mean, even though the irony there is that that was originally included, supposed, supposed to be included as DLC for Hollow Knight. But it exploded so bad. And they were just like, yeah, we're going to make it a bigger, yeah. better, and just make it a full sequel. Well, see, so, my, my thing <clears> is, is like, if this stuff comes out and it's free, I won't nitpick it. If it's, if it's costly, depending on what they mean by true ending, it becomes a kind of nitpicking. Do they mean that it's a true ending for this specific character in his arc and that is told through the DLC? It's continuing on, then fine. But don't end your game as if the game's that character's arc is done. Yeah. And then release DLC for it and then say this is the true ending. No, I yeah. will refuse to do that. Just like Kingdom Hearts 3. Kingdom Hearts 3 didn't exactly do that, but it bordered it. It yeah, it, it ended was, fully, but yeah. then it came back and was like, if you want to experience the ending with way more detail and understanding, right. 
pay me $30 and then fight and, all these hard boss fights. And for those that don't know, that is a requirement <clears throat> in Kingdom Hearts games. You have to have that detail. And like, especially if you want to keep like track of the next games coming out. Sure. And the actually story, the, the DLC has huge implications for exactly, next game. Which so, that's okay. That's okay. That's yeah. fine. That's I get that. But replaying but the, the entire it's, ending. It's the ending, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that gets me. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. True ending such a weird thing in games nowadays too, though, because of how many games have decisions that lead up to like go, like almost every sucker punch game, right? They've had um, multiple endings, including Ghost of Tsushima. It's it's all based off of what you decide to do. Now Tsushima is way less than their other games, um, but you still have a penultimate decision. Whereas in the other games, you just have. I'm either going to end the good ending or the bad ending in their old uh, morality system-based games. And then you get to this weird thing of like, you have to choose an ending that's canon to be able to continue a story. And then you're left in this weird thing of, well, you don't have to actually. Infamous 2, if anything, proved that you can literally make a game go forward without deciding that one of the previous endings is there. But if you do something as bold as decide to kill a character or do something that completely changes things, then you have to go, okay, in one ending, these people are alive. And in one ending, these people are dead. So one of these has to be true if we're going to go on and move past. And that happened in Infamous 2. So yeah, true ending and the obsession with that in gaming is just kind of weird. I almost just wish they'd be like, a new, the DLC's ending, mm-hmm. yeah, it goes on. But I think people, it, it's all about uh, marketing buzzwords. I'm sure that even though we're annoyed, there's probably people that are like hype of, I finally get the true one ending. <laughs> so see what it is. All right, this next thing up, uh, Bungie have finally peeled back the curtain on Destiny 2's next major expansion, The Witch Queen, and has players finally facing off against Savathun, which you may recognize if you played the game as the titular Witch Queen in question. The update adds a new location, of course, a new campaign, more armor and weapons, and as everyone would expect, a new raid. The update also adds a new weapon type in the way of the first-person melee glaive that uses both ranged and up-close combat, a lot like the sword, uh, switching up uh, instead of going to the sword's third-person camera. It stays in first-person, which I'm very curious to see just because if they did this, why couldn't you have done this with the sword? But that's okay. Much more changes come along uh, the expansion and its new seasons, but Bungie went ahead and teased the next two expansions, Lightfall and The Final Shape, saying that they will round out the light and darkness saga that has carried players through the games for the last decade with a dramatic conclusion. Uh, The Witch Queen launches on February 22nd, 2022, and just keep the February window in mind for the rest of this episode because, uh, spoiler alert, everything comes out in February. (laughs) Saul. You're the big Destiny 2 person or have been cons- more consistently than anyone <clears throat> else in here. Chris hates Destiny 2. <laughs> I am, I don't know. I've, I've fallen out of love with Destiny. I just can't bring myself to care. So you're our final bastion here. Does this move the needle for you on Destiny at all? A little bit, yeah. It looks, the quality of this looks on par with something like the Taken King from Destiny 1. And the changes to gameplay make it a little bit more fresh to kind of jump in. Um at least for people like me who haven't played in a while, it is almost a new reason to jump back in and play. But um, I, I guess I lied earlier. I technically did start up Destiny 2 this weekend um, on Saturday for just a little bit. And that game has changed so much. Like, there's a new tower. And I don't know, like, it looks like the tower from Destiny 1, but it's not. Like, it has, like, the Vanguard table in there. Yeah. And stuff like that, but it's not. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the subsection of the tower. 
where you go in, there's a Vanguard table, and that's where you turn in the start. Yeah. I played more recently than you. Yeah, I guess so. Like yeah. that that threw me off. And like the story stuff, I'm gonna have to catch back up on because it's it's one thing I don't like about games like Destiny and Warframe is that if you leave them for any extended period of time, it's really hard to get back into them. Um, because of all the updates they've done, all the story changes they've done. And this I you know, I went back with um what was the newest expansion called that was fairly good that we played for a while? Forsaken? That, no. Forsaken's where I jumped off until the light something. Yeah, it's like where you could get the dark. I forgot what it is. Um but um, I can't remember the name of it either. But yeah, like I'll probably jump back in and play this a little bit and be done with it after like four or five months, like I did this last one. Um, yeah, that's just to get kind of how it has been for me. It's, it's, I'll play it Beyond Light is what Beyond I'm thinking. Light, yeah. Um, I'll play it for a couple months and I'll play it with some friends and then I'll initially get burnt out again and then I'll just stop until the next big expansion. So you play for like four months out of the year. The rest of the the other eight <laughs> months go by, and then the expansion drops, and you play for something four like months. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not really that weird for most MMOs and stuff that get these expansions. You get players who are already in late game. They work towards getting the late game, play all the late game content. And they're like, okay, <laughs> call me when there's new content again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate. This doesn't. I didn't watch just a ton of it, but it doesn't really move the needle for me. How do you feel about a first person melee weapon? I don't know. Like, I think it could maybe work out, but the judging by like little bits of gameplay we saw, it looks like it works out, but it's hard to tell. I will say this though, in terms of first person shooters, um, destiny has some of the best gameplay in my opinion for anything like that involving how often it can change from first person to third person, whether it's supers or swords or melees and stuff like that. So I have faith that it won't be bad. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of it when it switches out to third person. Yeah. Uh, to the degree that, do you remember the snowball glitch that you could throw the snowball and then like do something with your weapon and it would lock the camera in a third person and you yeah. could literally shoot third person and everything? I've always kind of been like, well, clearly it's there. Just give me a third person shooter over the shoulder reticule and we're good to go. Um, I'm not saying they should do that because clearly Bungie's pedigree is in first person. But the fact that the game is very playable in third person has always been interesting. Right, because their only third person game they did was Oni, right? Yeah, pretty sure. Because uh, Marathon was first person, Halo was first person, Destiny. That's all the games they've done. That's all they've done. Yeah, yeah and Oni <laughs> on PS2. Weirdly enough, Marathon. So let me ask you an extension question here. This this it's thirtieth anniversary, I think, for <clears throat> this year, uh, or maybe next year. I can't remember which one. Anyway, they were talking about since they've gotten their freedom i guess you can call it that and then got their 10 cent money injection you know uh they're talking about doing a new ip what do you want to see i don't care in a new ip you don't care I at don't all care no sci-fi like first person shooter is like what you would think to say but that's halo and, and but and destiny so other than that like i don't know what i want to see from them I, do you I, honestly, think they could do any do something completely different from a first person shooter oh absolutely whether it be good or not i don't know <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, we clearly saw it with Horizon. And uh, speaking of Horizon, I guess I'll jump ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West will definitely be missing this year, as was hinted by uh, Herman Holst and later reported on by Jeff Grubb. But has now been confirmed to be launching on February 18th, 2022. Look at that, another February. The mm. date was all that was given with no new gameplay or features shown off. Um, 
But we did get a surprise announcement with Horizon Zero Dawn on PS5 being supported or updated to support 60 frames per second through backwards compatibility. So that's a new way for uh, new or returning players to come back and experience the first game in its best shape on console, at least, before jumping into the sequel. Uh, How do you guys feel about it being nothing shown? Because I actually think that was the right way to go. As much as we're talking about complaints of CGI trailers behind the scenes earlier, um, we've seen enough of Horizon that I don't think I need to see more. And I don't really want to see too much of the game. More raw gameplay would have been cool. At least like a minute of that. you know. Yeah. But me and Chris both put a yawning emoji on this thing because <laughs> I, I, I am excited for this game. But I am not excited for this game at the same time. <laughs> like it got delayed. And I'm like, okay, like I don't care. Yeah, but it got delayed. I will play it, but like I don't care when it comes out. I don't really, you know. I'm hoping that this game changes the <clears throat> the slow. Not, not. I don't know. The first game was good, but it was good only in the terms of gameplay to me. The story was unique, but it was told very weirdly. It was there was dialogue in there that was weird. There was writing in there that was off, and then of course you had some of the facial animation bugs for it to kind of feel like an odd experience. That's not to say I didn't like it because I platinumed the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoyed the game. I'm just hoping that this keeps somewhat to its roots in terms of, and I think we've seen that already with the gameplay trailer we saw back with, um, what was it, the state of play that they pretty much got dedicated? Sure. Where yeah. it was little human being against big machines. And I love that aspect of anything. Yeah. Like, Gundam, you know, anything. And if anything, it looks like it's just going to increase in scale. Yes. Which was kind of the hope, right? From the end of the first game, it's like <gasps> the Metal Devil. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I want to see. Um, I'm interested that they're going into such a different w- world compared yeah. to the first one. I want to see how that well that works. But other than that, like I am, I am not super, super excited for this. Uh, Chris, did you like yeah. the first Horizon at all? That's a- or did you play it? Really? <clears throat> um, I beat it. But I didn't get the platinum, so I guess take that for what you will. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, his opinion's not worth anything. Let's move on. <laughs> Chris, the platinum getter, did not get the. Okay, uh, my, so my Chris, point was more just I finished the game and then had no interest in doing any of the other crap I needed to do. Now, so here's an interesting question again. for that. Yeah. I found that it's more of trying to like kind of zone directly in on what made you like days gone so much because in a lot of ways i feel like gameplay wise days gone and horizon forbidden or horizon zero dawn have very similar through lines it's about using your environment in weird ways and planting traps and kind of using that stuff to go through the difference being of course one is guns and one is primarily bow and arrow Uh, but i find them to have a similar gameplay loop personally by the look of your face for those who aren't watching (laughs) you clearly don't agree with that no i don't so what is it about uh days gone in particular that you think you like the bike more than horizon specifically traversal yeah the bike is the best traversal i I don't know i just i love the bike um i didn't play either of those games with traps so that's kind of why i don't see that comparison oh okay neither of them um so you didn't use like the sound traps that you get late in the game and whatnot nope no interesting the only time i think in days gone i would use a trap was when i was getting overwhelmed so i would just throw it (laughs) and hope that they would go that way 
like a sound trap or whatever but oh man one of the coolest combos in that whole game is when you get the crazy big molotovs i don't i can't remember what they're called yeah but the the better molotov where you put like the cellophane or whatever in it mm-hmm. uh throw a sound trap let all of them go around and then just chunk one of those and just watch yeah. all, like half a horde burn up in flames i, I guess I, I would do that stuff but it was more like i'm getting chased so i'm just yucking a thing and then i'm yucking a molotov <laughs> and that was it i was never like uh oh i'm gonna set up my little trap in this area and get it all no it was not well and like clearly that. days gone's big difference between the two is that there's nothing even similar to the horde yeah or whatever you want to call them um so yeah i got you on that uh anyway moving on next thing uh chris gets to talk about everything he wants to here saints row four is finally back uh <laughs> though shedding its skin for a different direction than its predecessors built to in its last game saints row four a reboot of the series simply titled saints row big surprise <laughs> aims to bring the series to a more grounded setup with new characters a new city of santo Ileso and co-op that hasn't been fully explained even though i hope that it does get fully explained soon uh the game launches february 25th 2022 look at that another february game um so my main thing here because i'm not nearly as big of a saint row fan as chris is that i just don't like the idea that a game being six months out doesn't get shown in any kind of way where i know what the game is well that's actually not true they showed gameplay Okay, but so I, I just completely missed something? Yeah, I don't know if that was in Gamescom because I didn't watch Gamescom. I just watched the trailers. But there's like two minutes of gameplay in some trailer that I saw. Right, I'm going to go see if I can nab that because the thing that I took away from it, it, it might have been later on in Gamescom because uh, yeah. I wasn't able to actively watch Gamescom. I had to do like a kind of give me a recap thing. Um, yeah, I only but, know because I, <laughs> I was reading people make fun of the game on Twitter and they were putting like the some of the gameplay shots in there in those threads okay so so far i'm seeing gameplay that's just cutscenes. in this reveal trailer though i am kind of interested in the fact that it looks like it's, a, it's in a desert area yeah, yeah it is. Which but is here's the weird thing about this and it's clearly it's i think everyone comes to this conclusion because of what it is does this not look like a watchdog spinoff trailer no, or a no. new watchdogs trailer it no. definitely does to me Art style being the one little bit, like, you know, the character design looks like it, but the art style itself at least has a little bit of that feel yeah. of, of that more cartoonish uh, vibe that Saint Row had with it. Oh, here's gameplay stuff. Well, it's what I'm looking at, but it just looks like it's cutscenes. Like, I'm literally looking at the same video, and it's, I've yet to see, like, HUD. Was, I've yet to see. Well, okay, so. Well, HUD that's, doesn't that's, indicate yeah, that's gameplay. gameplay. Just doesn't have HUD. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the big thing for me. If there's going to be. I'm seeing like little snippets of what looks like running that's probably in game, like you like being player controlled, and that's what I'm looking for. What does the game actually play like? Like that and that driving right here. So it looks like later in we're getting a little bit more, but yeah, just watching this little video, I'm not seeing a, a lot on it. Now I don't have like a strong opinion one way or the other. I just I don't know how I feel. I'm also not a big Saint Row fan, so Chris, fill us in on what's wrong or what's good about this. Well, I think the big problem with this is a they look the main characters look like art school students, but I don't know. I guess Saints Row is supposed to be over the top. It's supposed to be crazy and nuts, and their entire marketing for this is we're not doing that. It's like okay, so you're making bad GTA. Like I don't understand why I'd want to play this game, and you know, I don't know. It's very much, I hesitate to say woke. I don't think that's the right word for it, but it's very much like, oh, we have to kind of censor ourselves. That's the way I'm getting it, you know. I was telling you guys earlier, 
like even the small stuff like changing the rim jobs auto mechanic to gym robs it's like that doesn't even make any sense and it's like why you know some of the small like touches in saints row that make it funny you know yeah don't seem to be there but or know, edgy maybe yeah well the thing with saints row 3 is is why i like it so much is it's so over the top and this game seems to be going away from that like the best moment in saints row 3 is jumping out of a helicopter to kanye west's power and then skydiving into a pool and killing an entire building of people that is one of the my favorite moments in video games and you can't get that in a grounded reboot of saints row i don't want that would you say three or four is better in saints row three i don't like four at all three see okay four is not really much of a saints row game besides humor like Actual gameplay is so different because you're a superhero. Yeah. Saints Row is a bad super Superman game. Oh, they have a PS5 edition of three. They yeah. do. It's a it's a remaster, and actually they had to mm-hmm. reback, go back and redo a bunch of it. So it looks pretty good. Well, see, I played Saints Row one, and I enjoyed <laughs> it enough to play Saints Row two, and I loved, 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 loved Saints Row two, and mm-hmm. I never played Saints Row three. So here's the thing: I'm I'm buying it right now. I played Saints Row I'm, one. I'm interested. I played Saints Row two. I didn't play three, and then I played about like a, a quarter, maybe of four. Um, I found that every realistically, the first Saints Row is not very over the top, no, at all. It, no. It's it's really that's why everybody gave it that rip off GTA, but not as good. Saints Row Two starts introducing a lot of interesting mechanics and things that differentiate it from Grand Theft Auto, as well as a lot of the uh, getting the, a lot of the characters into a position where you could go on to like them in a game like Three and Four, even though I didn't play Three. Um. But talking with people who have liked it, I get that feeling. Three is where talking with people, clearly the game really started to get over the top. Two yeah. has its moments, and it's building toward that. But three <clears throat> is like, let's take the most outrageous parts of two and just dive headfirst into them. Yeah. Two two, two is like a, gr- a good game that's fun. Three is like a dream I've always had of writing a book where you can do whatever the, the hell you want and it doesn't matter because there's no consequences. It's just fun. That's what three is, you know? And that's why I worry about the way they're talking about this one where I'm like, it sounds like you're making Grand Theft Auto, but less heady, you know, less, less stuff to say. I don't get what the point is, you know? So like seeing the little bits of gameplay that's in here, I it, it definitely graphically the CGI trailer didn't necessarily show that as much, but graphically it does look a, quite a bit like a Saints Row game, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about a lot of this. I know a lot of people are upset about characters moving away, though. At some point, I think you can move a character. You know, Grand Theft Auto never carries characters forward; it's very rare. So I don't really think that coming to new characters has to be a bad thing. No, but Saints Row always did kind of have <laughs> a consistently growing cast of characters that you would get to know and enjoy. Do yeah, you know but what my old PSN was. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. No, uh, just in terms of uh, Saints Row, I think the only thing I would say about that is, if I'm not mistaken, your character is the same from one through four. Yes. So uh, you all you you uh, you. It's not really however you want from one, but there is a there's a through line. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I think, the difference between this and GTA is GTA is a contained story. And for all intents and purposes, Saints Row one through four is a story about your character. Yeah. And it's it's a series as as far as you want to go. Gigantic breasted woman president in a funny outfit. You know, Chris, since you are Mm -hmm. since you left three and three is kind of where you want to cap off. Let's just pretend four doesn't exist because four clearly pushes the ridiculous envelope way up yeah. 
maybe in a way that you don't like because of gameplay and a bunch of other stuff, but it at least kept the idea going through while still pushing further than three. So let's go back. A lot of people's talks are like, how do you top Saints Row 4? Well, since we're not worried about that with you, looking at a new Saints Row reboot, how would you suggest that they top Saints Row 3? Like, do you th- Or do you think that that's a, a really big task? Well, I think the problem inherently with that question is I don't think they need to top Saints Row 3. I think they need to make a game as good as Saints Row 3. Whether that means, you know, I'm not saying it shouldn't be better, but if you made the same game for all intents and purposes, I'd be fine with that. You know, my problem is calling it Saints Row and then it seeming like a completely different game, even to the point where it's not purple. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. The Saints are purple. That's the whole point. And, like, why even reboot it if you're going to just do an entirely different thing? Yeah, yeah. Why not at some point just give it a different name and say from the creators of Saints Row? Yeah, exactly. I Which, guess because be they fair, tried they did that, that with Agents of Mayhem and, and it, it went nowhere. Garbaggio, but, like, I don't know. It just seems like a weird move to completely change what it is. Yeah, yeah, I have very little opinion on all this. It's just, you know, watching that CGI trailer, I was like, man, this looks a lot like Watch Dogs 2 in my mind. And even some of what I saw with Legion, just with more cartoony graphics. Watching the gameplay, definitely more, like, I see the differences. Like, the mm-hmm. little bit of gameplay that's in that's sprinkled in these where it's not cutscene heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, cool. I'll play this new reboot. I just don't expect much, you know. Where if you well, had maybe told that's me, a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> Well, if, if you don't expect much, it can surprise you at least, right? It can, but I know that that Rim Jobs, Jim Robs thing sounds like such a joke, but that to me is just such an indicator of where they're going with the humor and the story of the game that I'm kind of just not interested. Like, if that's if that's the joke you're going to censor, like, what are you doing with Saints Row? You know? Yeah, like, what else are you not going to include that you exactly. previously would have? Have you, you know, there's a lot of people talking about Saints Row was a Saints Row one through four even was just mm-hmm. a a product of its era. Sure. I guess what we're kind of lamenting here is that that has to be seen as an era. Like that has, why does that have to end? Why can't we have a game that's just over the top ridiculous? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause that's part of the fun of saints row, you know, say whatever you will, but I play all my games as female characters. I think you know that. And mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious that I can make a female character with gigantic muscles size double g breasts and have her with a rocket launcher while also being the president of the united states that's just in general hilarious and you know and it makes that makes it fun to me that kind of crazy just my character looks ridiculous and we're doing ridiculous stuff oh yeah i was a guy in saints row 4 but in Saints Row 4, as the president, I was so jacked and swole that i could not stop laughing because i just kept thinking like you know, everybody always used to be like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to become president one day. And I'm like, <laughs> my guy, like Arnold Schwarzenegger pales in comparison to my guy. Yeah. My guy is jacked. <laughs> just walking around. And I don't know. Every bit of it was ridiculous. The weird thing about Saints Row 4 is that for about the quarter of it I played, I actually liked the character interactions of everything. I just got mm-hmm. really bored of the gameplay. It was like, all right, this is losing its luster pretty quick. At first, I was like, this is kind of interesting. But then I was kind of like... I almost think I want to be riding around in a car and seeing what's going on instead of being like, let me jump to the moon or whatever the heck's going on in this game. But yeah, we'll see. I'll probably play it too, but it's not like big on my list, it, but it wouldn't have been even if it looked a lot like Saints Row 4, to be honest, you know, or Saints Row 3, just because I haven't played those games much. Yeah. So. All right, let's see. Next thing up, 
XCOM developers, Fire Axis Games or Firaxis, that's probably what it is, Fire reveals Axis. Marvel's Midnight Suns, a strategy RPG that sees you control an original and customizable hero, teaming up with many of the darker heroes from the comic books, such as Blade and Ghost Rider, but also with a dash of Iron Man and Captain America, so you don't drop your cash cows, uh, to stop an evil witch called Lilith. The game was announced with a CGI trailer, but gave no date instead promising a more extensive live stream on September 1st, which is Wednesday, uh, to show off gameplay. This looks cool. The only weird thing to me was at the very end when they're walking away from the portal and it looked like I was watching a Mortal Kombat cutscene, like when they're adding on to the the fight rosters. (laughs) Oh my God, please give me the XCOM Mortal Kombat crossover for Marvel. Strategy fighting game? Yeah. Does that exist? No, but it should. I mean, all right, Chris, we got an idea here. Let's make this happen. <laughs> I'm ready. All right, Stahl, what yes. you like about this? Well, first of all, <clears throat> as a Marvel fan, I want to see more Spider-Man because Spider-Man needs to be in this game. But I'm a little surprised he's not. Second of all, I love games like Marvel Ultimate Alliance back on like the PS3 and Xbox 360. So, were those games dungeon crawlers? This is uh, kind of yeah. It was like one screen co-op beat em up slash roguelike and didn't they have like a third person isometric camera yes it's it's kind of an odd i game. played the second one i think that was that, like one. i had like a silver frame around spider-man was big on the cover yes. too yeah that, that was my favorite um and i am a fan of strategy based games like xcom even though i haven't played xcom this lacks like enemy unknown just is not it's not optimal anywhere it seems like the game has problems everywhere but um I am super excited for this because I have been wanting a turn-based style strategy game lately. We've talked about games like Final Fantasy Tactics and Project Triangle uh, and stuff like that. This is going to be cool because it's two things I like. It's Marvel and it's strategy. And I am super excited for this. I kind of hope it is not a simple game. I kind of want there to be some depth to it. Oh, yeah. So that it is actually a strategy game. Um, and it's just not, you know, it's, it's not so forgiving that if I move somewhere and I'm not, you know, just coasting through the game, if I move somewhere that an enemy can get me with them punished properly. But yeah, I, I am actually excited for this game. Um, just based off of all that, I've been wanting a game like this. So the RPG elements, it's, they're not clear, right? They're kind of understated in the trailer, but my assumption is that you're going to be able to collect gear. And change it. It's what it looked like. I hope so. Putting that into a strategy game. You cool with that? Kind of like yes. Final Fantasy Tactics? Yeah. Looking at it from that, sort, that standpoint? If I can make, you know, uh, Wolverine better or Iron Man better based off their gear, that's that's another layer of depth that yeah, I'm going sure. to love. Well, like, you know, I don't think you ended up playing the whole game, but it ended up being an interesting thing for at least local play that um, Injustice 2 added, like, gear for fighting games. Yuck. I don't think it was good for multiplayer purposes, and I think that competitive probably blocked those but it was an interesting idea if nothing else uh so putting stuff like that which to be fair strategy rpgs have had stuff like that for a while but having that element in it can be pretty cool i could just easily see it being hero based and not doing that um chris how did you feel about uh this is my most anticipated game of next year by far (laughs) by far well i'm a gigantic xcom fan um, I'm a gigantic Firaxis fan, and then, you know, I'm a Marvel fan, so this is everything I want. Um, you want to flash those Moon Knight comics, or did you already do it? 
Oh, you mean you mean these? And <laughs> I mean, I, then let me back up. Not comics. Uh, graphic novels. My Moon Knights and my entire shelf of graphic novels. I say those actually might be comics. I couldn't tell. Yeah, these I couldn't are, tell. They're collections. There are five issues each. That's what I figured. Yeah, little yeah. graphic novel collection style. So, yeah. Chris, you said you're an XCOM fan. Let me ask you this: Did yes. they fix an Enemy Unknown? Because when I played it at launch, it was broken. They fixed it for the most part. Yeah, it's still okay. it's still borked, but. Not as bad. <laughs> uh, was XCOM 2 better? Yes. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Absolutely. I heard a lot of people say that, so I was X- curious. XCOM 2 is the one I put the most time into because, as Saul said, XCOM 1 is is broken. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there like some kind of side XCOM game that wasn't a turn-based game? I have no idea. If there is, I never heard her. But yeah. You know, something XCOM does that I think is like... Or maybe it's coming? I don't know if it's revolutionary. I don't know if... Oh, Chimera has, Squad. ...has done this is that... Um, the the fact that like you get to... Like like your crew management and like mm-hmm. how they... If they die, they're dead. It's permadeath. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. never mind. This is, this is still turn-based. So, but it, it was another game. XCOM Chimera Squad. I never played it. Yeah, it came out last year, 2020, April 23rd. I just remember hearing about it. Um, um, anyway. I will say I, I'm. there's a lot of stuff in this game that makes me happy in terms of we are not getting... It doesn't seem like Moon Knight's in the game, which I love Moon Knight. I'm not saying I don't want him in the game, but it indicates to me that Marvel isn't like shoving these tie-ins into the games, you know? Oh yeah, Moon Knight would be perfect for that. He's got a show coming up with Oscar Isaac. So um, Moon Knight does, yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a Disney Plus show. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's got Oscar Isaac playing Moon Knight, and Ethan Hawke is playing someone. (laughs) What's the actual name of it? Moon Knight. Is is that it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) For some reason, I feel like I remembered it having like a sub name or. I haven't heard it, but. It's been so long since the original announcement that I don't remember. But yeah, it's been announced for like a year and mm-hmm. a half, maybe. Uh, it's just you know, it's it's that long line of <laughs> we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, is, is this what, is this fan art? I don't I don't know that art there though. Tell me that doesn't like the white nightingale armor from Skyrim. That kind of actually the nightingale, yeah. Yeah, I mean that Moon Knight does look like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, Chris, while we're talking about character designs and stuff. One of the biggest things that was interesting here for me yeah. is that unlike uh, Avengers, where they didn't have <coughs> what I consider to be very original character designs, almost every character design in this looked really cool. But like mm-hmm. that looks fresh. That looks like an interesting new take on these characters instead of being like, hey, here we are. Let's just make this character look almost like. And I, here's the thing. Crystal Dynamics kept being like, well, we weren't trying to make them look like the movies, but no matter what you did, it looked like you were kind of making them knock off movie people. Um, I don't know. I didn't get that feeling from this. I don't know if it was the art style difference, not trying to look as realistic and leaning a little more into that comic book style or what? Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. That's a hard thing, right? Because when you're talking about comic book characters, they all have a look, right? So if you're going for the realistic, real-world look, which the MCU and Avengers did, mm. they're going to look the same. To a degree, yeah. Yeah. Whereas this one, I think, is like you said, it's more rooted in the comic books, so they can all look a little bit more uh, stylized, I guess. But Yeah. I don't know. I I have trouble faulting Crystal for that because, I mean, 
Black Widow is a is a white redhead. Like, how much can you really do with that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, you're right to a degree, right? That's what that's why I've said for a long time that I, I'm happy with the Spider Man games we're getting. They're really good. Yeah. But in my ideal version of a Spider Man game would be to completely drop the photorealistic look and just lean into that like Spider Verse style, look like a comic book in motion. That would be super sick to play in real time and see rendered out like that. But it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> No. So. I will say, and this is just complete speculation, but I'm going to be willing to bet that Spider-Man will be a DLC for the PlayStation version of this game. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, and then people will be upset all over again. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. It's going to keep happening. Yeah, I, I, unless Disney literally like swallows up Sony, which please don't do. <laughs> Well, you know, they, that rumor they, floats around like every year and a half. Disney's going to buy Sony just so they can get Spider-Man rights back. <laughs> They're going to buy the whole company just for the one. Like, you know what, listen. man? They did it with Fox. They bought Fox to get the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. So, True. But you also get a bunch of other stuff out of that, too. Like what predator that they're gonna sell off anyway? <laughs> that that'll be the interesting thing. See if they do. <laughs> they did it for the X Men. That's all they did. And you know what? The, the I bet you, Fantastic Four movie and the X Men movie make all their money back tenfold. So it doesn't. The only matter. yeah, no, I can see that too. But Fox is almost is also just primarily an entertainment like conglomerate or whatever you want to call that. Sony would be the weird thing. People are like they're gonna buy Sony as a whole. I'm like, do you mean they're gonna buy Sony? tv like columbia pictures or what are they going to buy like because the problem here i think is that because sony has other things going off sony has reason to want to hold on to spider-man's movie rights so that they can leverage that into spider-man game rights not exclusive but they can be like we'll let you use spider-man movie rights while we still make money off of it if you'll let us make an exclusive spider-man game and I don't see Sony wanting to stop that. And then Sony being able to be like, okay, yeah, you can make uh, Crystal Dynamics, The Avengers, but we're going to have a Spider-Man DLC that no one else gets. Mm-hmm. I don't think Sony would want to lose that as quickly. So I don't think that they would be like, fine, we'll sell you Columbia Pictures with the Spider-Man rights and we'll just hold on to our gaming. I don't see that happening. Yeah, except you're missing the part where if Disney bought Sony, Sony would get all of the games. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, you're you're right. They, they would but not. They do you would think not. that Disney really wants to buy an entire console manufacturer and electronics manufacturer? Want to? No, I don't. I don't can. think they absolutely can. I, I don't. Say, <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to buy Sony. But I'm also. I also think if, if they, they did would. buy Sony, they're not putting the games on other systems. <laughs> I mean, true. <laughs> that would just be a bad. Dis- okay, we're gonna buy one of the biggest the second or the first biggest gaming company and then microsoft here's our games they're not going to do that just like microsoft and bethesda so sure yeah it's a hypothetical uh, but sifu the martial arts action game revealed in a state of play is originally revealed in a state of play is dropping on both ps4 and ps5 on february 2nd 2022 good lord this reminds me of that time period when every game was coming out in like february of 2018 or 19 i can't remember which year it was but it was like Crackdown, and I think at some point it was supposed to be it Days was last Gone. Year. It wasn't last year. It was at least a year before last year, because it was the same. It was going to be Crackdown three, I think Days Gone before it got pushed back to April, and a handful of other games. It was twenty and, and a lot of them were the exact same day. I think it was February twenty second. It was twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty rough, but that's <laughs> that's where we are. Um, 
I don't have much to say about Sifu. I don't either. I really enjoyed um, the the developer's previous game, which I'm skipping on right now. Absolver. Absolver was cool. I'm not gonna say this can't be cool, but I'm not immediately drawn to it yet. I think the cool point behind Absolver is like getting to create your own character and going to an, in, a, in a multiplayer world that is online. I'm that looks like that's true of Sifu. To be fair. Yeah, but that's the thing about it, though, is that we've already seen it. Yeah, you're literally just experiencing the same idea through a different lens. Yeah, why not just make Absolver 2 or something? Because the <laughs> world of Absolver, I don't know if you remember like the designs and some of that stuff, like the mask. Were oh, yeah, we're sick. cool. Yeah, very cool. I love um, that game. Chris, did you play Absolver? No, I did not. Didn't think so. Seafood not moving the needle for you, right? Not even a little bit. <laughs> all right then the last thing we're gonna talk about the new ps5 model we discussed weeks back with a change to the stand design and a slight weight reduction has been compared to the launch models by youtuber austin evans both models he compared were the digital editions so this is really only looking at that but the only noticeable difference found inside the machine was a smaller heat sink in the new model responsible for the weight reduction he clocked higher thermal temperatures for the new model around three to five degrees higher celsius uh, so it's interesting to see sony make this move this is probably motivated by profits. Um, Sony had reported been looking at and struggling with keeping the cost of the system down due to their cooling solution. And we heard just like earlier this month that they were not selling the console at a loss anymore. So those two things seem to line up. Um, I don't know that this is a big deal unless PS5s start overheating. But it at least sounds like this is one of those weird examples where from a, at least the thermal side, the launch PS5 is better than the new one. Yeah, which is weird though. It's like why, like all that for weight reduction? Well, I don't think I think weight reduction is a byproduct of actually saving money because of how much money has to go into the materials needed for the actual um, heatsink. Because you know, there's a bunch of copper and whatnot using that, and True, metals are up right now. At the same time, I'm curious as to how much money they're they're they are saving versus any overheating problems I have. Not say we're gonna have overheating problems. Yeah, I mean, I hope we don't. Speaking of which, my assumption is that they've tested and tested and tested and got to the point where they realized they didn't have to have it that big and that they probably overkilled it at first to be sure they didn't have launch day problems and then slowly work their way down to the cheaper version of it. Um, but I think that that's about it there. I don't think anybody wants to talk anymore about that. Right guys. Yeah. It's kind of for I mean, me. It is least, what it is. Yeah. It's just kind of, I'm curious because it's, it's from Austin Evans. Uh, for those that don't know, just like Brett said, um, he's just a YouTuber who, does like unboxings and tech videos and stuff like that. So this also isn't exactly like a leading, you know, kind of person to go with when it comes to this kind of stuff. Not saying that it's wrong, but saying like until we get more of these coming out that this is a problem, I wouldn't even worry about it. Or that it is a problem because his video is not saying that it's a problem so much as it's a fact. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's like, here's what's going on. It's up to you whether this matters or not. Let's hope that there's not a problem here. So we'll see what ends up coming of it. Um, so I guess for that, we are going to go into the community's take section real quick where we talk about uh, our last episode and hear your guys' thoughts on us and see how you challenge us or how you agree or disagree with us. Um, so over on the Discord, uh, one of our patrons, Josh Ayers, uh, when, in regards to the question being, uh, let me go back up to it real quick. It was, how do you decide what makes a game worth its asking price for you? To that end, where do you feel remasters should come in price-wise? Um, Josh Ayers, our first one, he says, remasters of games shouldn't be full $60 USD, especially games that came out one gen ago. They haven't done much but upscale 
full remakes can be 60 to 70. They are a different product made from scratch. How I see worth is I will play this game for more than five hours. If yes, it can be $60 as long as it's a good five hours. If a game is more than five, why not? Where have I where I have troubles is when devs have games worth so little. It's like, why is your time worth so little? It can't be a good game then, in my opinion. So I think he's talked about this before. When he sees games that are priced at $20, $30, he goes, well, they must not have thought their game was worth 40 so therefore I won't put it on the pedestal there too. And I might miss it completely or wait till it's on sale to give it a try because they clearly didn't value their game up enough. I don't completely agree with that particular opinion. I think it's an interesting one, uh, but I think, I think it's – that I do think the developers are like this game is worth twenty, but they know it's worth twenty and that it's a value at twenty instead of being I'm gonna put it at forty, but really it's not a value at forty. So yeah, <sighs> I don't know. It's it's a hard thing for me to to look at because in a sense I agree with him, but at a certain point it depends, right? Because I don't know, and and just what I do if I when I do write my book, if I self publish it, that's a four ninety nine book regardless of how long or how much I think it's worth. You know what I mean? So it I guess it depends. Yeah, I mean I think a lot of the times these games are people who are coming in with their first games ever. And they're looking at more of if we price it this way, there's a higher chance of making a return on investment and doing well. You might get good word of mouth where people be like, can you believe how good this game is? And it's only $14, $14.99. It gets people in the door easier than if you go, hey, this game by this company you've never heard of is uh, pretty solid. I like it a lot, but it's $60. People are like, oh, I don't know about jumping in there. I'm about to wait and give it a try down the road. Uh, I think things like that matter. I can definitely see like, uh, Team Cherry with Hollow Knight being like, all right, let's let's be a little conservative with our pricing here, see what people think about it, and then we'll kind of go from there. Like it'd almost be interesting to see Silk Song be like, hey, we're a bigger and better game, longer, more stuffs in it, and instead of the twenty dollars that we charge for or twenty five, whatever it was for Hollow Knight, this is going to be a forty dollar game. I thought Hollow Knight was forty. No, it definitely was not forty. It might have been thirty, but I want to say it was twenty four ninety nine. It's been so long since I bought that game that I have no clue. Because I bought it the second day it came out on Switch. Well, you, you also bought it on Switch. So, yeah, <laughs> the chances of it being 60 were pretty high. <laughs> it definitely was not 60. I know it wasn't 60, yeah. Um, let's see. It do, I guess it's uh, discounted everywhere to the point where you really can't yeah. tell what it originally was. Right. So. And the only thing I disagree with Josh on is the five-hour mark. Um, I don't think that... That's a know, bold opinion. I yeah. like it because I'm actually agree with it i don't um i don't mm, think five hours is good enough for sixty dollars um not in the least bit that's that's the math does not work out there for the value in my opinion um that i i, I can't tell you a game that i played five hours for and i was done with and i'm like you know what that was worth sixty dollars i can't name a single one yeah uh, well i don't think very many games hit that hit that window anymore because people are so scared of being told that it's not worth it. So I don't think you see it very often where I really mean, I agree with them is in so far as I would be okay in this hypothetical sense of a game being six hours being $60. But when I play when I play it and go through it and I'm like, that was like a transformative six hours for me. Awesome. See, no, like that's, I'll stick to my guns with like games like the order that game should not have been sixty dollars no i agree that it shouldn't have been sixty dollars just compared to everything around it was that I was a great two dollars yes <laughs> see the value yeah, yeah the I'm value good. of that game in my opinion should have been valued at 40 and mm-hmm. i got it for a 10 i think or 20 one of the two 
and I platinumed it and I platinumed it within eight hours. Yeah. And that's that's having to go back and get collectibles after beating the story. So but will I say was it worth that money? Sure. Um absolutely. Shafe Dog on uh Discord, he says, in that cases or in those cases, if it didn't catch my attention or appeal to me before, then flashier looks and presentation <clears throat> aren't going to sway me. That's like, actually a second half of something else. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I asked him a question oh, about remasters. Yeah. Well, he says, if a game is in a genre I like and it seems to have something new for me to experience, then I'm okay with asking price, and I'll typically grab it at launch. As for remasters, there are so many factors involved. How long has it been since the original? How much work are they doing? Did I even like the original game? And if I did, do I want to take the chance of ruining the nostalgia I have for the original? Most of the time for remasters, I wait for a deep sale because I have played before factor. I also like how Brett asked a question and the community's take discord when there is a discussion for it. <laughs> it was to get the rest of an answer. Uh-huh. Hey, mm-hmm. do what you will there. I, I asked a question because I thought it was important to understanding where he came from on that. I'm sorry. So he makes sense. Like honestly, the nostalgia factor, I don't think has ever been a thing for me. If anything, it has made me more excited. Um, so mm-hmm. for games like, uh, Ocarina of Time 3D, when I saw that, I was like, okay, yeah, there's nothing they could do to make this game worse, which <laughs> fair, yeah. which for me, I said the same thing about Majora's Mask and they kind of did because they did something they did not do in Ocarina of Time 3D where they changed boss battle mechanics in Majora's Mask 3D, which I still am kind of disappointed in to this day. Yeah. Nostalgia is a weird one, but I think it, de- like he says, it depends on how old the game is to a degree because I can see games that you've not played in like 25 years and that you really just haven't played and it was more niche. And you're like, I love that back then. But do those mechanics actually hold up? We all kind of know because it gets talked about constantly and brought back up that a game like uh, Ocarina of Time still holds up in most of the ways that matter. You can still totally play that game. Well, what's crazy is let's let's go with your example, Tom, and let's go 25 years. Oh, Link's of the Past. Yeah absolutely yeah, and some games are timeless still hold, they're just yeah they're made well still holds up to this day yeah but then there are games that i love that are not as timeless i still love them and i enjoy them but if a game came out with those same mechanics today it would flop and fall on its face you know yeah, what I mean? most ps2 era games yeah most yes. most of them yeah. um that's that's the ones where i see them trying to replicate and i'm just like you know what this is just it's like what liam said with the community's take last week of uh any 3d action game uh in terms of like how it plays um and he gave so common as an example of like the game plays way more difficult than it should for anything compared to now. Yeah, it's like that contextual thing where because you've played newer games that have gotten better over time, when you go back, you're like, I didn't realize how bad this was at the time because there was <coughs> nothing better to show how much better it can get. And you know what made me realize that the most was trying to play the Metal Gear Solid collection on Vita. The <laughs> awful. The biggest problem with that is that almost every system that those games that the collection came out on didn't have did not controls. have. Uh, well, it, it wasn't. It was that they didn't have pressure sensitive buttons and all these well, right. different things, and it was just weird. I mean, it was kind of like when they did Snake Eater on 3DS. It did not work. It I forget was, they did that. You couldn't play it. Like, I mean, you could, but it was not optimal, and it was just so much harder than it needed to be because they were trying to make a game play on a system that it didn't really need to play on. Well, that's why Blue Point needs to remake them. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Because a lot of that comes down to uh, people being mad when <laughs> remakes and remasters like really change uh controls do you remember people being like 
concerned and upset before the game came out that uh, Blue Point had announced that some of the controls for Shadow of the Colossus remake were going to be adjusted to make them feel more modern. To the yeah. point where that the game launched with a version where you could completely go back to how it how it felt on PS2 if you wanted to, just because it's it's there. But I think most people realize, yeah, you'd rather the game look, play, and feel like your brain remembers, but not actually be reminded of what it really plays like. Yeah, because when you really go back to those PS2, you're like, oh, I didn't remember it being this rough. That's a problem people had with the Last Guardian too. Is that um, what was that thing's name? The Trico. Beast. Trico. Uh, you know, the beginning of the game, he controlled off like his controlled or his controlling of him was like a dog that was not trained, which mm-hmm. is point of the game. Um, is it a point that I like? Not necessarily. But people, uh, uh, you know, they attribute it to like, this is like Shadow of the Colossus. I'm like, yeah. It shouldn't be like that, though, for a PS4 game. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because it got a lot better as it went on. Uh, but even like your general character control was just loose, uh, which is very, that, it, it's true. It goes through eco and everything, but it's, it's certainly different. It's, it's way, it's like wavy, not wavy. It's kind of when people talk about like floaty versus floaty. Well, like you know, floaty you know, mechanics and in, in platformers versus like precise ones. Yeah. Uh, I would say that that's probably the closest thing I can think of there is that the characters just feel a little noodly. Like they feel like when they run, like they got a little bend to their spine and stuff. That's and why I didn't like Blasphemous. Actually, it feel weird. The, the game did not feel good to me. Yeah, feel for feel in any game is a is a big part of it, right? I mean, it's if it doesn't feel good to play, the rest of it almost doesn't matter. Chris, any uh, any thoughts on any of that? Oh, uh, I mean, you guys for the most part covered it. I just yeah, I don't have much. Um, <laughs> it's hard for me because I I just. I get where everyone's coming from, but I don't really agree with anyone. So, <laughs> I'll right, we'll see if we can get someone else to uh, challenge you. Awesome Dave1337 over on Discord. Oh, he says, man. For me, if I'm going to pay asking price for uh, price or launch price for a game, it needs to either be a genre I absolutely love or a series I adore. I had no qualms about paying $70 for Demon Souls or Returnal because I love those two types of games. If it's something I'm unsure of, I'll wait for a sale. As for remastered prices, I feel like $40 is usually a good price point because I know some work went into the game, but they were just expanding or polishing something that was already there. Yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of what... I'm, I'm pretty much right on the money with that one. That's where I'm at. Let's see. On uh... Chris is still like, Skyrim's worth $60. <laughs> you just see it boiling over in his face. This is the whole thing with this conversation, right? Is because while I might think Skyrim is worth $60, I think I said on the last show that I think Fallout 3 Remastered is worth $600. So like... <laughs> Which yeah. gets us to an interesting point. It's <laughs> almost exactly what you're saying. Uh, Donovan Williams over on Facebook, my buddy. He says, length mainly or replayability. I'm not paying more than 40 for something less than 20 hours that I'll play once. Looks are important as well. If your art style or graphics looks indie level, then it's only worth indie level money. It doesn't really matter if it's a new or what? remastered game. <laughs> what he says yeah he says uh it doesn't really matter if it's new or remastered game and this is where it ties into what you're talking about fallout new vegas remastered would sell me an xbox regardless of the price of the game which would be 60 dollars plus a 500 dollars xbox or at least a 300 dollars one yeah <laughs> so there you are that's new vegas <sighs> not fallout 3 yeah the worst one heard um one, yeah whoa, no whoa, whoa, i mean objectively whoa, whoa. wrong it's the worst one objectively the best fallout no. game a uh, fallout 4 is objectively the worst fallout new you, maybe but 76 <laughs> exists 
New Vegas can be beaten by staying on a road. There is a road in New Vegas that if you stay on the road, you beat the game. It's bad. Bad map design. Is that a thing? I've yes, never heard of that. It's 100% true. <laughs> That's what stay, the speedruns for them run. If you stay on the road, the game ends. That's how speedruns <laughs> for that game work? Is that what you just said? I mean, yeah, it's okay. Let's clear. Let's push a little bit out. What Chris is saying is that there's basically basically one path that you follow, and there's literally a paved road. Yes, everything that needs <laughs> to happen for that game's main storyline happens on that paved road. Can happen yes. on that paved road if you just keep walking along it yes. to where the final goal is. It's, it's not that you literally just stand in one spot and and beat the game, but it, it's basically an open world game that if you wanted to is the most linear game in the world. I've never noticed that. I played that game like three times. <laughs> well, because no one plays those games that way. Yeah, but so. you technically can. Whereas if you look at Fallout Three, you come out of the vault, and you know you have to go to Megaton, which is this way. But this way, you got a whole bunch of buildings, and you're like, uh-huh. huh, which way am I going to go? I'm going to go this way. Oh, I just spent 40 hours doing absolutely nothing because the game has directed me in these multiple directions. Yep. You and New Vegas goes, hey, guess what? There's paved road. You can go this way and beat whole game. Sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Three, you turn on the vault, and you head left, and you're like, "There's a here's a supermarket that's old. Let me go in yep. here. And you're in there for like 10 hours yep. getting loot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, I think one was done over on Twitter. Let's go see. Uh, Zayden, who I'm pretty sure is Richard. It is Richard. Um, says $40. That was That's his entire answer. So all games are worth $40. All remasters, $40. All things priced $40. You know, you know what? He was gonna get a switch? I'm not going to lie. I would actually be okay with that. If I was every say. single game, even games that are normally $15 or $40, and then $70 games are also $40, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say that. That like definitive, everything is worth $40. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> sure. You're wrong, but sure. I guess that's fair. <laughs> This one's interesting. This is our buddy Ryan Sweet Tuner Jones over on uh on Sweet Tuner Joe. Sweet Tuner oh, Jones. Man. He says, "I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where price isn't really my concern anymore, and I'm old enough to know what I like. So I just buy whatever I want. For me, it's a time thing. Even being set in my ways, there are still plenty I don't play due to time constraints." Mm-hmm. Which I knew this was going to happen. The weird, the interesting thing about gaming and how wide the the swath of people goes is that some people have a lot of time, or at least view themselves as having a lot of time to fill with gaming, and other people feel like they don't. So you get this thing where people are like, "Why does every game have to be forty hours?" And then other people are like, "Why is every game not forty hours at least?" And you have this back and forth that kind of happens where people people value their time differently and some people are like i just don't want to spend 100 hours in assassin's creed valhalla i would rather spend 12 hours in ratchet and clank into the nexus yeah or something you know what i mean so or rift apart whatever uh yeah it's an interesting thing thanks for the answer uh ryan hope you're doing well buddy yeah good luck on that hurricane that's heading towards your way yeah if you listen to this beforehand be safe be safe. Uh, Jason G over on Twitter, he says remasters should be 40. I'd be willing to accept the $60 price tag if it wasn't a trilogy like AC Ezio trilogy or the Mass Effect trilogy, but a single game remaster, $40. A remake, however, that's full price. So it seems like a lot of people are kind of looking where I'm at, where amount of work that goes into it seems to really hit people on the value. Um, 
which was kind of what I thought even the market tests are. But I wonder, because, you know, a lot of the times pricing for games and stuff is kind of looked on uh, focus test. Bring a group, a group of people in and be like, what would you pay for this? Mm-hmm. And kind of get as close as the company's comfortable with, as close to the number as the people were comfortable with and kind of go. But at the same time, if you're people like Nintendo, you can kind of just pull the trigger and be $60 is the price for the game. You're either going to buy it or you're not. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to Richard's $40, right? If it's just, listen, all games are one price. <laughs> there might be something to that. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, I don't I, think, I, I want to get one more. I'm going to try and get one that's a little different and see. Um, let's see. See if I can find one that really is kind of on the other side of things. Um, so Josh Farmier says replay value and length. Those are his two determining factors for value. Uh, so he says, I don't want to pay for a $70 game and it's over in seven to 10 hours. I've always liked long games though. And as far as replay value, that's games like call of duty or other multiplayer games that you can seek multiple hours into. So Kind of go into that, you know, uh, which has been a long running thing. Multiplayer games with campaigns being 60 and then full story games being 60 are interesting. Um, I think both of you play far more multiplayer games than I do. So I know that both of you exist more on that side. I think a big thing for me is I'm willing to pay whatever price for a game that I'm just done with. Doesn't mean I don't occasionally like the idea of a multiplayer experience. And like, I'm hoping, Chris, I, I went to go download a game the other day and I couldn't because I'm out of space. So I finally, uh-huh. finally pulled a Chris. Um, so I'm going to have to go in and delete some stuff to download uh, Aliens Fireteam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm hoping whenever I, we get to playing that, that it's fun. Even though I'm hearing a bunch of stuff about how broken the multiplayer is. <laughs> I've been out of hope, hope that's not the case. Uh, but yeah. So if, if anybody has any closing remarks on all this, we're going to move into the uh, main topic for this episode. Everybody let's, good? Let's do it. Speak now and forever hold your peace. I had something I forgot, so we'll just move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So uh, I know we were kind of juggling three before we started the show. Mm. Um, what do you guys think y'all want to land on? Tell you what, how about we put all three out there and the other people want to hear our thoughts on the other ones. We might do that as like a next week episode or something. Was there three? I think it was two. Yeah, we were talking about PlayStation potentially being out or PlayStation versus Xbox on custom consoles and accessories. Yep. We were talking about, excuse me, let me pull the news back up. Oh, you deleted everything. I deleted everything. It didn't come from the news. I can't remember if it did or not. It didn't. (laughs) Um, It was that it was PlayStation leading from the gamescom and how they're going to catch up. Yeah, it was that one, but that was it. Chris, it, back me up here. Was that not the that was thing? it? Yeah. Okay, then I'm sorry. I'm wrong. <laughs> Unless we really do, we could also just talk more about Hades. Cause Hades. I mean, a Hades spoilers cast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm not far enough in it. Boy, you must come home and make a decision. You must come home and get these whoopings and <laughs> spankings. Oh God, oh, we're getting yes, right daddy. back into this leather daddy thing. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> oh, you're the sub today, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, our subs are our patrons. We'll give them a <laughs> shout out at the end of the episode. <laughs> We're the doms in that relationship. Too bad we uh, can't have like the money to pay the Hades voice actor at the end of the episode to be like, we'd like to thank our patrons. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. But with your help, <laughs> <laughs> you can have your voice or your yeah. sub read off in the voice of uh, Leather Daddy Hades. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the the two topics we presented, I have literally nothing to say about accessories. So I'm happy to listen to you guys talk about it, but 
No, I think we could talk about uh, – I'd rather it be something we're all talking about. I just know that that was only brought up because immediately to me, and I think Saul the other day too, it's like we'll kind of just quickly spill that one for what the crux of the argument was, is that here we are a year, not even a full year after the consoles have released uh, Xbox and PlayStations, and we have Xbox, a console that's made to have very little customization naturally just because they wanted it to be like a monolithic device. And here we are them putting out their own special edition version uh, of the Xbox for Halo. <laughs> I'm not even a big Halo fan. I'm not that excited for Halo Infinite, but I don't. they've hardly ever put out a bad-looking Halo special edition. <laughs> and almost all of their special editions have been much cooler than anything PlayStation's done. And yet, on the other hand, we have PlayStation, a console that's set up for removable faceplates, and Sony knocking down left and right companies that are trying to do custom faceplates just to do nothing with them themselves. That's basically the crux of the argument. We're going right back into what happened last gen where Xbox is being far more interesting on what they're doing with their uh, special edition consoles and accessories and PlayStation still lagging behind. I like the Cosmic Red controller, but it's not enough when you have the competition doing this stuff. That's my basic opinion on it. Um, but yeah, looking at your thing. So Chris, you go ahead and kind of spearhead that you were the one who kind of brought it to the table. Well, my whole thing is I was thinking of like, what, what does Sony do? Because they haven't been at Gamescom. They weren't at E3 and they're obviously not going to have their own E3 event. So does a state of play like actually work or what does they, what do they have to do or what do they have to talk about to make you go, Oh, Okay. You know, great, because, you know, Microsoft has been all over the place with what they've been doing. They've been showing all their stuff, whether they're CG trailers or not. You at least know it's coming from Microsoft. And, and they have a presence. Yeah, and I don't know what Sony's doing outside of Abandoned and Horizon and God of War and Gran Turismo. What games do they have? Sifu? Sure. Don't care. Stray? Very excited for Stray. But outside of that, like, what is Sony doing? And how yeah. do they present themselves, you know? Well, I think what's weird is how many people, which we talk about all the time, online and the majority of the people are always two very different things. But, you know, online, a lot of people do seem to kind of lament the loss of Sony at these events. Yeah, I think it sucks. Yeah, I mean, I think it does, too. There's nothing more fun than just being like, the console that I put the majority of my life and time into, that's actually a pretty cool belt. Um, but being like the majority of the, the console I put the majority of my life and, and time and effort into being at these big events and showing me the things that they think is important and letting me see the things that even if it's like a quick sizzle reel of games like they do for the indies sometimes that's cool because it feels like yes there's a chance i'm going to have this whereas even if you're looking at xbox and now it's a bunch of games that are going to be on both seeing that presence come through xbox does mean something even if you're mm -hmm. seeing that before right when you're <laughs> watching a, a multi-party a multi-platform game be shown through the sony stage it still gives you this hint of like yes there they are. That's what they're doing. They're, they're keeping in with what we all like and kind of punching and giving us showing, oh, hey, this person's going to like that. And if you don't like that, this next person's going to like this. And I lament the loss of it, too, because it was the most exciting part of it. Whereas, weirdly enough, the most exciting part of the previous E3 was Xbox, <coughs> a system I put very little time into. Do I, mm -hmm. I, I don't mind Xbox, but I don't put much of my life or time into it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the most... I, like I, I'm more... I prefer to play on my PlayStation, but I'm more like future proofed on my purchase of the Series S. Like, you know what I mean? At least know what's coming to my Series S, even if I intend to play almost none of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair. Yeah. Saw where you're coming in on this. I mean, do you think it matters that Sony's kind of just taking things into their own hand and 
the thing I think here is that they think I it looks like that they're taking the Nintendo approach, but I don't think that anybody actually agrees that it's matching the Nintendo approach. It's definitely not matching the Nintendo approach. That's for certain. Um, I I spoke about this before, and it's kind of the same thing in a way of like so like when Sony first announced they weren't doing E three anymore, I was like, this is stupid. This is this is really dumb because we know they have stuff in the works. Mm-hmm. But it's gotten to a problem where their stuff, especially their AAA first party stuff, is taking so long to develop that they cannot just talk about it on a two year basis. It has to be three years or longer because, you know, think about this way. Like we knew for uh, Forbidden West was been in development now for like, what, four years? And we just now saw it six months ago, realistically in depth. So like they couldn't show well, a. Now, se- what do you mean by knowing? Just so I'm uh, like, well, like everybody knew that that, that that was getting a sequel. Sure. And. Everybody knew that that's, you know, that's what's coming is that it's going to get a big scale sequel. Um, and we they couldn't reveal it, you know, three years ago, because what are they going to do? A CGI trailer and then announce it that it's going to come out in three years? No, because it's a bad move. Just like yeah. they just like all the other stuff they're announcing lately where it doesn't have release dates. Project area. Really? You're going to announce that and it didn't even have a name. Yeah, I hate bad that. Move. Yeah. yeah, bad move. Um the only way that works out if somehow that game is without within the next six months, and I don't think it is. And it's absolutely And not. even then, it's still too long, but it's the only way it's like salvageable. Yeah, even yeah. then. Yeah, no. But it's it's kind of like that with Horizon, is that like Horizon took, took you know, longer than two to three years to develop. Last of Us 2, Encharted, all these big AAA games, Ratchet and Clank, these games don't take, you know, a year and a half to develop anymore or a year to develop. They're taking a little bit longer. Well, they can't reveal them, and then sit there and have two years of silence or they're going to get criticized for it and rightfully so. But that's the thing. And this is what we talked about, you know, like one of the last couple of episodes I was on before I got sick. Um, That's bad because they should be employing massive amounts of indie titles. And <clears throat> it's kind of like what we talked about. We only see from Sony right now is first party next gen titles triple a games you don't see anything else you don't you don't see anything else and when you do it's like abandoned and that's a crap show because nobody knows what it really is well now do you mean outside of the state of plays i just mean in general in terms of state of play announcements actual announcements because what's weird they is have like, plenty of indie games in these state of plays is all i'm arguing no you know? I, I know but the thing is is that like they're not first party indie games some okay. of them are okay and then even then sometimes you'll see an indie game for the first time ever on their Twitter. It's not in a YouTube video. It's a Twitter post. So if you call it a first party indie game, what can you think of an example of when Sony's done that in the past that, that, you, that you kind of lean it's, on? To? It's, it's not common, but this is what me and you talked about that I was just referencing back to is that they have all these studios that could easily do this, but they don't. So when we say indie, we're really just saying small scale games. Let's, let's, because I mean, yes, yeah, the word scale. indies, I know I use that a lot too. For well, games no, that I, aren't actually I mean, a low budget. A lower budget game developed, and it could be developed by a big studio or a small studio. Yeah, but a lower budget game, sure. and anybody could do that from Sandy Santa Monica <clears throat> to any Rockstar if they wanted to. They could make an indie title and then um, just partner with it to come through. And yeah, I mean, but that's the thing is that I mean, you talked about in depth on that episode. It was that that's all we see them doing is we only see them doing these big game reveals for big AAA first party games. And up until that changes, it's just the same. We're going to see the same six series that they have. And, and it's going to take years upon years from when we see them to when we play them. 
and it's not worth it. That's why I don't like. I don't care about Horizon getting delayed. I didn't expect that game to come out this year. Yeah, just like Ragnarok, they could release Ragnarok's date tomorrow. It's not going to come out this year. It's going to get delayed. Every game that they have announced in the past big five game announcements have been delayed. Well, I will say this though too. It's ridiculous. Horizon never technically got delayed because it never had a date. It didn't, but wait, no, it did say 2021 at that. Yeah. that oh, it did. It, it did. did. It did. You're right. So it got, yeah, it got, it, it, still got, did, it got a delay, yeah. but not as much as back when they were putting literal dates on everything and then saying, by the way, we're delaying. They, they, they still did that. But, it just yeah. wasn't as specific. Yeah, sure. And that's the problem sure. is that like all these big game studios are coming out. Halo is a good example. It got delayed twice almost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now it's not even launching with solo or with co-op campaign and forge. Um, so certain aspects of it are delayed yeah it's like certain aspects are still delayed and you know that's the big problem is that these these what they're not doing is they're not announcing games like other companies are which may be for the better because other companies that are announcing these games are delaying them left and right but i would like to see that if they do announce games that a they don't get delays like horizon did because i think it's a bad call to, to have like this big grandiose reveal uh, and this is kind of what we are reference when you reference Nintendo and then matching them. Nintendo has had they their um, state of or not state of plays Nintendo Directs or whatever they're called. Um, and typically, if there's a focus game in that, you almost always see the focus game when it's announced and when it's when it's released to like the release date. But then you have state of play that's focus game with Horizon, and then it gets delayed. Sure. So it almost is like yeah, that state of play was great. But now it's like, was it almost pointless other than seeing gameplay for the first time? Because at this point, it's hyping up a game that is now delayed four months over from when it's coming out. Sure. And it, it's almost like, what's the point, you know, like other than getting the gameplay? Uh, because it, the point was definitely not the release date. Um, what was that one game that ticked back? Like it had, was it Final Fantasy 15? It was Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, where it, like <laughs> it put out the release date and it ticked back to like, oh, this is the new release date. But then it ended up getting pushed back to the that thing. Yeah. I think that, you know, Sony's not announcing games right now and they have hundreds of games on the works. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But maybe that's the good thing because maybe it, it seems like the games that they have announced are getting delayed. Yeah, it's not a good thing. You know, it's a weird thing. So, Chris, real quick, do you know what he's talking about? Did you see that Final Fantasy 15 event where it showed like originally it was going to be a November event? And then when they showed it, the calendar like rolled back to September. And then the game, <laughs> as it got closer, got delayed back towards like, I think, later than the original date that they had moved up Ooh. from. <laughs> so it was like they made it a big deal that they were going <laughs> to move it up just to delay it again anyway. it's It was so ridiculous. But That's bad. Going Going back to Nintendo, um, Nintendo is a really interesting case because I do think sometimes they excel really well at putting a state of play out, putting a game uh, with it out, giving a date, and then holding that date, and that date being relatively close to when they showed it. Yeah. But then there are plenty of examples that they don't do that. Um, Metroid Prime 4, clearly a great example of showing something or announcing something because you really didn't show anything besides yeah. the title card. Well, but. and see, that's the thing, right? That's why you can't criticize Sony for not showing a whole lot of stuff off because it's going to at least they're not doing that. that category. Yeah, sure. Well, no, it's not that they're, it's not at least that they wouldn't do it. It's, 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 it, they wouldn't like 100% bar none. That if they talked about wanting to do another last of us, right? Mm-hmm. If they were to announce that they were doing that, we may not see that game for six years. Yeah. Um, the same thing with uncharted, yep. you know, we may see uncharted with Drake's daughter, that may not be till 2024. Yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of, we're seeing other companies do that right now anyway, with like announcing skate right when you're like, you haven't even put a studio <laughs> together. There's like four people and they're like, yeah, guys, we're building a studio for skate. <laughs> Why did you do that? 
<laughs> it was super dumb. It was like, don't get me wrong. Is it a hype moment that you know skate's coming? Yes. But you know how unhyped I'm going to be for the next four years before they finally are like, do you want to see skate rebooted? Not and then really. it's just no. Saints Row rebooted all over again. All the things that made skate. It's a rollerblading game. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a Tony Hawk game instead. Basically, it's gonna be skate, but with arcadey where you hit like Ada doing ollie instead of flicking the. Stick. Oh no! It comes with a skateboard peripheral, like where I did. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, uh, so there's those examples from Nintendo, and then there's more recent examples, right? Of like Pokemon Legends Arceus. I don't think that they needed to show that at all until like the one they most recently did. I think that that really should have been saved for what they just showed us. Or did like a CGI trailer and said more info coming. Like as long as companies are transparent, I yeah, don't care. I agree with that. If they if they release a CGI trailer, like the whole thing with the Final Fantasy 7 back in the PS3 days, that wasn't transparent enough. So like people thought that that game was coming and that sold PS3s based off of that thing alone. Which is weird cuz it did even when you watch the trailer. It says tech demo. Yeah. It's literally just like but why pick that one game that people have been asking since the game came out, like or since PS2 came out? Like, can we get, get a PS2 version? Yeah, and then they pick that game, and they're like, "Oh, well, they're doing it." They're like, "They're doing it." That's a lot of work, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and then you have other examples with that too. You had people buying PlayStations for Final Fantasy Versus 13, which never came. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's clearly been a long running problem in the industry. I mean, so to your question, right, Chris, is what does Sony do? I think the biggest problem here is that it, I don't know what Sony can do besides this. They can either show up at events and show the same, do what they were doing for years, right? Show the same games every time with a little bit of new stuff just so that you have something to show. But then you run the risk of as much as I love Days Gone, Days Gone was shown off way too much yep. at way too many E3s. And way too early. And then after all the E3s it was at, then it had that dedicated month-long Game Informer coverage that was just yeah. like, have you not shown enough of this game yet? Like, I like the idea of the month-long dedicated coverage that they were doing, but not for a game like Days Gone that had solved three or four E3s from when it was initially announced. Um, so I don't want them to fall into that, but I, I do kind of wish that they were finding ways to either leverage uh, indie relationships and uh, third-party relationships to be like, hey, make a game for us exclusively. We'll show it, and we'll be like, hey, you can get it on ours either exclusively, timed exclusively, console exclusivity, whatever it be. And they kind of did that, right, with like uh, Ghostwire, Tokyo, and Deathloop. But those are just two games, and both of those have had multiple delays as well. Now, some of that's due to coronavirus, and there's not much you can do about that. But I mean, kind of going back to you, as much as I lamented as well, would you have a solution as to how you think Sony could operate right now while still being there without necessarily changing what they're doing which to be fair nobody knows what they're doing um i mean the reason i ask because i don't really know like what they can do to be like okay here's all our stuff because i think they need to do i if i, if I was going to get hyped i would want a state of play that's like an hour and a half long and they're like okay here's what our studios are doing here are some third-party exclusives here are some indie games here's this and they do their own e3 type show but i don't know if they want to do that right now and i wonder i wonder if they're losing ground because everyone else is talking and they're not saying anything and i think it's starting to project like do they have anything and if you're someone who's not paying attention maybe you don't know their studios or whatever it is you're like why would i buy a ps5 when they haven't said anything to me about what's coming in the future yeah i think that the thing that sony 
at least what I view them to look to be doing, but it's not working as well as they want yet, is I think Sony's way to try and counteract the fact that they're not as plastered everywhere is to do what they did last generation at the same time as being at all those events, right? Last generation, not only were they at E3 just killing it left and right, then when their games released, their games were being like critically acclaimed and selling monstrously, and their games were doing the talking for them. But then they were still at E3. And then late gen last gen, we saw uh, kind of the inverse of that, where they were skipping out on E3, but we then we see The Last of Us 2 come out and sell really well. Maybe not as well as they hoped, but sell really well, review really well for the most part. A little divisive. All right, next game goes to Tsushima. Reviewed really well, sold better than expected. All right, then you just keep going down the list. And I think to that degree, uh, that's what I think they're hoping is happening, but their games aren't coming out enough, and they're in this battle between, well, we got to put games on both consoles because we can't get enough PS5s out, so they say. So then it's like, well, now we need Horizon out, and Horizon needs to be our game that does the talking for us. So the fact that we're not everywhere, people go, well, they're not at every con, but Horizon Zero Dawn was bar none, or Horizon, Forbid- Horizon Forbidden West was bar none the best game this year. I'm not saying it will be, but you know what I mean? That's what they need, and I think that's what they're hoping for, is that their games are so mon- like monumental that they do the talking for them. And you could kind of argue that like right now, right? We know a bunch of what Xbox is doing, but up until Forza Horizon 4 finally comes out or 5, whatever it is, um, what's the last game Xbox put out that people talked about? 12 minutes. What's the last game they put out in general? I can't answer. 12 minutes. All right. And was that actually put out by Xbox Game Studios? No. Or is it just a partner? It's it is an exclusive, but I'll give them that. Yeah. So in that degree, Microsoft is kind of picking up the slack for themselves with other people, which is probably what Sony needs to be doing. Yeah. Uh, but Sony still has released games this year. You know, what I mean, and that's going to be the weird thing is that we still haven't had an Xbox Series X exclusive or even a, a Microsoft exclusive since uh, Series X is released. So I don't know. I think it's it's they're kind of in a rock and a hard place. But going back to Solonize thing, I would like to see Sony kind of look at Microsoft where Microsoft were like, people love Gears of War, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to make a Gears Tactics game, which is a very different style of Gears game. It's going to be a cheaper game. And even then, of course, it's on Game Pass. And then we're going to make a Gears Pop game. Now, those are just weird examples, but there's two smaller game examples of IP that's getting used in a different way. I would love to see someone do that. Yeah. And <laughs> fill in their space that way. And they absolutely could. They have all these characters that they can make these games with, but they, for whatever reason, like PlayStation All-Stars. Yep. A karting game, a new karting game that involves PlayStation characters. Yeah. You know, they could make these games that could be somewhat high quality. Um, and But... It does everything with them. This is what I criticized them for the last time. Was everything with them lately is just third person cinematic action game, and I'm sick of that. Yeah, like they can do so much more. We need a sci fi shooter. We've seen them do some. Yeah, much we more. yeah, and we and that's all we're getting lately from them. And you know where where's Killzone? Where's Resistance? Where is a rebooted Infamous of some kind? Where's Twisted Metal? Where's Twisted where's, Metal? Yeah. yeah, like there are these, there's, or SOCOM. There are these games from PlayStation's past that they just seemingly ignore for the, for the same new series. And I always find it ironic when people say, like, with Xbox and Nintendo, well, they have the same series that they always just make. It's, Sony is following that path now. Like, it's without a doubt, Sony is starting to follow that path. And it kind of makes me sad because I miss how... Like the charm of Jack and Daxter. I miss how fun Twisted Metal was. And I miss, you know, the the chaotic mess that was 
that one karting game on Vita. I can't even think of the name of it now. Little Big Planet. Oh, yeah, on, oh, Mod Nation Racers. Mod oh, Nation Racers. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but <coughs> I'm interested just to see how it's going to move, like how this is going to happen, move forward. I was going to change moving forward. Probably nothing because we. This is PlayStation's new leadership. This is just kind of the way that's going to be this generation, I think. Unless they're going to really try and lean on the fact that they were so quiet because of COVID, and then if COVID ever does manage to subside. If they can come out swinging and then blame it, regardless of whether that was actually the the reasoning or not, it would at least work, right? <laughs> They're would. buying time right now. I don't know. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. The weird thing about that is when people are like, where's a new Twisted Metal? The answer is almost always, well, you can't really justify a $100 million Twisted Metal. Who's asking for a $100 million yeah, who, Twisted Metal, who's, dude? Who is doing Give that? me a $2 million small budget team Twisted Metal. Well, Use your IP wisely to keep your name out there and then have these same surprise hits where people make something like Dead Cells or Hades. You know, use your teams to fill in these gaps. I think that's how you do it. If they would use these teams to have small turnaround games that could be made in a year or two with you know knowledgeable teams, then they could constantly be like, hey, this isn't our big third-person per- third action-adventure game that you may love from us, but this is our small kill zone uh, third-person isometric shooter that was made by this team and here's our name and it's a, you know it's a quality game still yeah i just hope if they do stuff like that they do it with outside teams because i think my one problem with what you guys are saying is i don't necessarily want sony to go to go to gorilla and be like hey i know you guys are really enjoying doing uh yeah, Horizon, they'll force people yeah they're, you're they're gonna go back to kill zone <laughs> yeah <laughs> because we need an fps they're working on games that are already getting delayed, let alone them taking up another yeah. game to make. No, I agree with you in that sense. I know Saul said use their own studios, but there are studios that they can use. Well, use all. own IPs from their studios. But yeah, I would say yeah. use your own IP more than anything. And then look, if you have a studio like Pixel Opus who doesn't have anything else going on, and you'd be like, hey, if there was a single, just go to them. Like, if there was a single IP in PlayStation history that you'd like to have your own take on, what would you do? And then have them be like, oh, this is what we would love to do. And then just make it and be like, all right, here's a $25 Pixel Opus jack and daxter yeah you know it, it's it could work and i think that it would be a, a bold move for them to try it um i would love to see that and i think that that is something that nintendo has always done like being like okay here's our main uh, the only difference is price and for the most part but it's like here's mario and now mario is a big real game but then we're gonna make this little side spin of uh toad toad's treasure hunt or whatever it was yeah you're right. It's like it's a small side game where if you love this world, you love these characters, and you want to experience it in different ways. Here it is. And they used to do that. Mm-hmm. Golden Abyss. Yeah. Well, but that was that, Kills that was liberation. That was their high, yeah liberation was. But those were also considered flagship games on the on handhelds. The thing is, since they they're don't have still, handhelds to do smaller that, smaller versions. Bring bring smaller. those games and their size and and whatnot. Bring those into the console world. Well, you know what would help yeah. if they had another handheld. <laughs> bom bom bom. <laughs> Yeah, well, I had another handheld. What I hope they do is take a more Gears Tactics approach if they're going to do anything. Yeah, me too. Give I me think like, that's a smart move. Go to Six Eyes, who made Fell Seal Arbiter's Mark, and be like, you guys did real good with that tactics game. How do you feel about making a Resistance Tactics game or a Twisted Metal XCOM game? Like, do that kind of stuff, which I want to play a Twisted Metal XCOM game for the record. But... Hear me out. Twisted Metal, but Crazy Taxi. <laughs> <laughs> Or twisted where the whole way through you're carrying people to and from different places while being shot. Yeah, and you have to protect your passengers. Actually, no, that would just that would just feel like a a really bad escort mission. No, just do it. Just do it where it's um, 
it's crazy taxi except you're playing as sweet tooth trying to deliver ice cream oh yeah and that's the whole game (laughs) yeah i can't melt that but also (laughs) sweet tooth's dad uh drove a taxi <laughs> so you could just have sweet tooth's uh, dad i can't remember his name off the top of my head but his character and his car in the game was a taxi that was all modded out what was his and name could, bitter gums you could have him you could have his taxi service um yeah. but no you know it's funny you say a, a twisted metal XCOM game it would be really interesting to have a car combat game that was turn-based where you literally had to like set up and wait for things to happen and then they go off. that would what cool. about a, a twisted metal jrpg <laughs> <laughs> with japanese lip sync <laughs> tales of twisted metal oh, that would actually be really interesting you have calypso that. being super anime yeah <laughs> charlie kane charlie kane i i thought kane but I, I couldn't remember the first name and my brain was going to kano from mortal kombat like i know that's not right uh yeah drove a taxi yeah i mean Dang i think bad. you guys are right they should do they should make more opportunities with their studios but or with their IP, but I just hope they don't force stuff. That was always yeah. my thing when people are like, oh, they need an FPS. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but they need... Find a team that wants to make an FPS. Yeah. And and throw them a bone and look and be like, you know, there is a quality level that we expect and let's see what you can do. Right. You know, I, I, I guess my thing is I think when you're a big player like Sony is, I don't necessarily know that the way to go is to seed your ground on a thing. Like, you know, when you look and be like, well, Microsoft just does better in the first person shooter genre than we do. So we're just going to stop. No, but Sony uh, has Sony has Call of Duty. Call of Duty is a you oh, know, know. Sony partner game. So why do they need an FPS? They have no, the biggest that, one that ever. Was, yeah, that's an you example. Know? Yeah, no, that, I'm just, that's just an example. But yeah, you're you're right. You're right. But now what does Sony have? Like, you know, it's it's kind of like people say, like, you know, you shouldn't seed the ground of the handheld to switch just because switch is doing better than you could at the moment. I mean, you're a big company, you can make that happen. Now, that's a bigger example, but they don't have a handheld. Let's go to something else. What do they have that's biggest scale that they just bring in and rakes cash? And it's like, ah, why would we need a first person shooter when we have the biggest one? What do they have elsewhere? What do they have as the biggest tactics game? XCOM. I mean, yeah, but it's not that, theirs, but yeah, exactly. And, and do people really look at that? Like, you know, if you looked at sales of XCOM, is it overwhelmingly on PlayStation? It might be. I don't know. It's I, be, I mean, don't prob- wrong. I think you're right in the see, fact of the real, the real uh, answer to here is lies somewhere in the middle of finding ways to use your own IP with different studios to come back with things and use your own. And then also leveraging your third party dominance by the fact that you have more consoles sold than your competitor to fill in the gaps otherwise. So that maybe you don't have an FPS, but someone's going to know that the biggest FPS of the season is going to be best on you. So they're more likely to buy it there. Bam. They already do that. What they don't do is find other ways to have other small smaller genres still be there so they can draw in more and more crowds and have a reason to be out in front of people and go, Hey, not only are we going to show you the new call of duty, we're going to show you this new car combat twisted metal game that we're doing. That's a small, you know, like, do you ever remember it was a Vita game, but there was a MotorStorm game called MotorStorm RC. Um, and it was like little rally. It was like a little RC cars and there were tracks that were top down. And of course the whole reason was how do you make a MotorStorm game on Vita with more limited hardware? Change up, do a different idea. If they would do things like that and just, you know, look at the budget and make sure they're planning everything, that solves the answer of how do you be out in front of people? Well, you get out in front of people announcing all these Sony specific things and keep your name up and out and about. Yeah. And yeah, mix well. those mix those conferences with your third party grabs. Mix those conferences with your Grand Theft Auto Six, with your Call of Duty Vanguard. You know, I think that's how you really solve this the solve this 
thing. And I hope that by next year, Sony's in that position because clearly they're not worried about it this year. Yeah, I, I you might be right. I don't know. I just wonder if the best option is to specialize in what you're good at, which is third person action, and just let other people make games. You know, which well, is not mean, not you're not they're wrong. Clearly, but. They're clearly doing that though, right? They're letting their the bulk majority of their main studios do that. Yeah, find ways to supplement that. Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. They, you're not wrong. I hope they they take more. Uh, they let people do stuff with their uh, their franchises because that would be a great thing. Well, I view it as like, what's Marvel doing right now? Yeah, it's true. They're doing that's it right. Why, that's why we're getting a Firaxis Marvel game. I know, it's sick. <laughs> you get what I mean? Yeah, like, There's no right. reason that Sony can't be like, why didn't we think to go to, to Firaxis and be like, hey, you make really solid turn-based games. Do you want to like take one of our IP and turn it into a turn-based? Like, dude... XCOM, you could totally do Resistance or Killzone, either one of those in an XCOM style. Yeah. You know, uh, Nintendo did that. Nintendo ran out and found the, um, what was that? What's that game that they. Mario and Rabbids. Well, that one is actually a pretty solid game, too. But the game I was actually thinking of is far more understated uh, Dance of the Necromancer, or what is it? Oh, oh, yeah. Crypt of the Necro? Crypt yeah. of the Necrodancer. Necrodancer. And then yeah. they were like, hey, that game's really interesting and unique. Would you like to use the Zelda IP to make Cadence of Hyrule? Mm hmm. And the game's phenomenal. Yes. And that's what I mean. There's no reason that Sony shouldn't be trying to do that same thing. Uh, True. I so agree. We will certainly see. But I think that wraps you up know the what conversation, else we'll see? right? Or- we'll, see, uh, we'll see you follow us on Twitter over at Triangle SQRD, <laughs> as well as joining our Facebook group, which is Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. You can ask to get in over there. Um, also, you can catch us weekly on most podcast services across the world. If you'd find one that we're not on, let us know, and uh, we'll try our best to get on it. And, of course, we have our Discord link down in the description below. But we also love our Patreons, as we joked about earlier, who are our subs. Mm-hmm. And they are <laughs> they are great people. Um, you can join us to help support us for just a dollar a month. It goes into helping us buy stuff, uh, any range of occasions, like Chris's webcam that he's using, or if one of our mics craps the bed, we'll have a brand new. We'll be able to get a new mic and want to come from our wallet, as we just use that with all of our savings. Uh, also, the cool thing about Patreon is that at the end of every episode, uh, Brett will get to read you and uh, get to read your name out loud. But we're having technical difficulties with that right now. No, we're not. I just realized that because I don't have the docket in this one, I don't have the Patreon names anywhere. Well, I just lied to you because Brett cannot read you out. <laughs> I, look, this will be the one time where it doesn't happen in real time. So I'm going to have to edit this in later. Everybody just go unsubscribe from Patreon. If you've and, ever and heard then, Midweek Matinee, you're not, nothing's changed. <laughs> Look, Chris, I'm so used to just having a button that takes me directly to that page in front of my ugly face, okay? <laughs> I just realized that's the problem with this new setup. But you know what? The benefits to the video quality, the benefits to the audio quality, it's all worth it. Thank yeah. you, guys. I will read your names. It's just this one's not going to be actually off the dome, which I don't think most of you are not off the dome. That's not fair. It's not in my brain, but off my face. Look, Chris is over there like, let's see. What is it? Uh, <laughs> I've gotten through the first seven, I think. Yeah, all that editing just gets to you, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you all. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Shout out to our patrons, Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Sanarud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, 
Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warp Point, Richard Schaefer, and Ham and Egger. Thank you all. <laughs>